Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 80, British and Canadian Feedback. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better, while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. As we progress through the offseason, we will continue to dive into areas beyond the gridiron. Last week, we welcomed XFL board's Greg Parks to discuss broadcast ratings. This week, we'll begin to reach out to foreign-based football fans and media members to learn of the XFL's global vision and whether the league is making strides abroad. Also this week, we have some league developments to discuss. In addition, the Franchise Tag podcast Gareth Smith joins the show to discuss the XFL and its awareness in the United Kingdom, as well as CJME News and CKOM News reporter Britton Gray joins the show to discuss the Colin Kelly situation and XFL awareness in Canada. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On June 7th, Orlando Sentinel and Tribune writer Matt Marshall shared renderings of potential Camping World Stadium renovations, courtesy of Florida Citrus Sports. The potential canopy roof project cost is $400 million of the $800 million being asked for by the organization. For your information, Camping World Stadium is the home venue of the Orlando Guardians. On June 8th, Yahoo News journalist James Tutton's article regarding the potential Camping World Stadium upgrades confirmed by previously shared information, as well as additional details. Included in the $800 million in tourism development tax money, Officials would use half the money to add a canopy-style cover for the upper deck, and the other half would be used to replace upper terrace deck and add multi-purpose space. If approved, planning and pre-production could start as early as August. On June 8th, football scoop writer Zach Barnett reported D.C. Defenders quarterback De'Ara King had joined SMU's football staff as an offensive analyst. It is uncertain how this development will impact King's availability for the XFL and D.C. Defenders in 2024. On June 10th, Forbes journalist Jabari Young reported the XFL lost an estimated $60 million in 2023. For the 2024 season, the league projects $100 million in revenue. About a quarter of the league's income comes from its broadcasting partnership with the Walt Disney Company, which pays the XFL $20 million per season. 
According to Forbes, XFL ownership has capital commitments in place for years through four, and the league has signed sponsorships with national brands that include Progressive Insurance and Under Armour. League co-owner Jerry Cardinal, the founder of Redbird Capital, compares the trajectory of the XFL to Major League Soccer and aims to pass MLS to become the fifth biggest sports league in the nation, expects the XFL to become cash flow positive by 2027. Cardinal also told Forbes the following, I'm a contrarian investor constantly looking for an arbitrage. In the arbitrage of the XFL, no one has done it right before. It's not a flip the switch and all of a sudden you're successful. It took MLS 30 years to get their current average team and implied league valuations. I believe we could do it in five years. Co-owner Dwayne The Rock Johnson also shared the following with Forbes. This is not just an endeavor that's going to flip up a portfolio and one day we flip it and we're out. This is legacy. This is the long game. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by the Franchise Tag Podcast, Gareth Smith, to discuss the XFL and its awareness in the United Kingdom. Welcome, Gareth. I appreciate taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL and its awareness in the United Kingdom. Thank you very much for having me on. Truly grateful to be invited. It is a pleasure. And I always say that, and I'm sure my listeners always say, of course it is. But I think it's warranted to say that when you're coordinating things multiple time zones away and across a big, vast ocean, that it truly is a pleasure because we've actually tried to do this a number of times. And for whatever reason, schedules don't work. I mean, time zone, time differences, different holidays. It just happened to work for us that we both have a holiday today. So it's awesome. I was just glad you said it was Eastern time because whenever I've tried organizing stuff with people crossing the state, the second see a specific time, Pacific time or more, like, oh, <laughs> whereas Eastern time, a lot more easier for us Brits, a bit more manageable. Well, I'm glad I live in the right time zone then. Well, <laughs> we'll move on here. I believe it's really important before we dive into the XFL to always take a moment because I believe it's beneficial for our listeners. If you took a moment to share your background so they have a better understanding of who you are and how you got into covering football or American football in a, another football-crazed nation. So if you could take a moment, just kind of walk us through how you got into the sport and then how you got into enjoying and covering the XFL. So I got into American football as a kid. My dad was into American football, as football as you would call it. Uh, we used to watch it. They used to, be, used to only ever see it on Channel 4. It was, it was called in the UK the highlights as well and there'd be a week behind so like say you're watching week 10 of the nfl in america we'd be watching highlights in week nine a week later it was really odd but like we used to watch it all the time with as a very little kid i ended up choosing to be an eagles fan because my dad covered a game at wembley in the 80s it was the eagles versus the browns at wembley stadium he was a steward working the event and he had loads of photos of the eagles players if it had been the other end, I'd have been a Browns fan. Thankfully, he was at the Eagles' end of the stadium. Otherwise, I don't think I'd have been as optimistic as a fan as I have been down the years. And it's just a sport that I've always, always grown watching. It is a sport that, with thankfully, coverage has got better over time. With Sky Sports coming involved, was massive for that. The likes of we had a Kevin Cadle who used to present the NFL for us in Sky. 
um, before he sadly passed away. And then Neil Reynolds, who now does it for Sky Sports. And we've had some like former Super Bowl champs on and Sean Gale and from the legendary Bears team of the past. And we would literally, our coverage would gradually and gradually increase in in amount of games we'd see. And now it's getting staged now where we literally will get the Thursday night game. We'll get all of the weekend games on the Sunday and the Monday night. The evening games are always a bit of an endurance challenge for us Brits. Like the Monday night games, you're talking 4 a.m. finish in the morning. Same with the Thursday night one. So if it's your team playing, it's always a, you always know it's going to be a late night and you must be have good shares in a coffee brand at that point to get through. But it's a sport that's always... I think the theatrics of American football is, is what draws us Brits in. It's not just two teams playing each other for four quarters. It is the eye-catching catches that you see or the impossible plays where it looks like it's over and then a Hail Mary comes out of the blue. And it's those kind of moments which are almost not quite poetic and quite dramatic and like almost Hollywood-esque is what proper draws us in. And I've seen the fan base in the UK expand more and more and more for the NFL. Uh, XFL itself, I remember the original attempt with um, Vince McMahon and the crazy attempt to try and get the ball for kickoff, which resulted in players getting injured every time. And it was just absolute chaos before that league folded. And then I remember I was watching the 2.0 version. I was in Orlando at the time watching it, thinking, oh, this league's really good. It's got a really good chance of doing well. And then I flew back to the UK. Not long afterwards, lockdowns came in. And that was the end, obviously, that league, sadly. Which, And then when I heard it was coming back in, I thought I wanted to get involved because I've been involved with an NFL UK show for a while. I traditionally was behind the cameras, an editor, and eventually got moaned at to, to come on and actually be on screen at some point. So I started becoming part of a panel and airing my thoughts. Positive Eagles, very anti-Dallas, as you probably expect. And when the XFL came up, I just started emailing rounds going to all anyone who I knew was linked with it, whether it's and then Rod Woodson agreed to come on and then and then I got a player from Orlando Gardens agreed to come on and then it just then snowballed into the exposure that I got this year in relation to all the teams, except St. Louis. They never gave me a player yet. So next year, come on, St. Louis, don't let me down. But it was just a crazy ride out. We literally went from just sending out a few emails and, and seeing whether we could get anyone to literally every week we had guests on and good quality guests at that. Well, it's always intriguing to me how people get to where they are, whether it's player, coach, people in media. But it's also really, really intriguing for somebody that this is not in the fabric of your nation. Like, this is very American, as you guys would call American football. And to think the NFL is king here stateside, is not surprising any one of us, but it's interesting how its tentacles, as I had mentioned previously, and you know, before we got started here, the reach of things start to grow. 
and mm-hmm. more of a global situation or a opportunity for the league. And that, which allows people like you to experience something that's new and different, which I think is kind of important to the XFL because the XFL hasn't really been able to establish itself. Whether it was 2001, a totally different brand of the XFL in football at that point. And then 2020, you know, unfortunately due to the pandemic and everything. And here they are again, it's essentially another startup. So I think it's very fitting to find how that reach, how somebody's getting involved in it. And the fact that football is now starting to take or establish some sort of foundation in the UK, the United Kingdom, this is very fitting to come out. So and reach out to you and have you come on to the show because you have done an amazing job consistently having those XFL players on your show, the franchise tag and seeing that you were across the pond. I'm like, well, this is a perfect opportunity. We're going to reach out. We're going to talk about the XFL and how it's being perceived right now across the pond because I'm intrigued. Is there much traction? Is there much interest? Is there anything vibe of discussions tied to the XFL in the United Kingdom? How much are you seeing of that today? There are fans over here of the XFL. That is without a doubt. There are, um, as say, St. Louis Battlehawks. I think they retain a lot of their fans from. You also get a lot of um, anti cronky. Um, fans in the UK because obviously they own Arsenal Football Club um, so you get a lot of obviously this year not so much but previous years St. Louis fans automatically were going to be their fans as well because again they weren't very happy with him so there are fans over here I think the issue it had this year was it wasn't available on television um, it was only available on ESPN player so you had to have ESPN player to be able to watch it which I did because, again, the only way you can really watch college ball over here. I think the main disappointment for that was it was originally when the XFL in 2020 was out, it was on a sports channel called BT Sports, which they had an ESPN channel that was on there. And there was a lot of hope and ambition that it'd be on there again. And there was a lot of people going, hopefully it'll be on there and we can get to watch it. And then when it wasn't, it almost was like, like you could feel the momentum drop a little bit over here but there are still fans over here there are various discussion groups there are facebook groups for xfl fan bases and stuff like that so they do exist and it is starting to grow i've selfishly been trying to push the guardians for mainly because for us brits orlando is a very easy place for us to get to them and vegas are the two teams that are the best opportunity of being the tourist team of choice mainly because of the fact that us Brits all go there to see a mouse or do you know what I mean or there's there's a reason for us Brits to go to Orlando not just and I wanted to become part of like people's tradition when you go to Orlando we're going to go catch a game because I do the same thing with basketball I went once to watch a magic game and ever since then I've been hooked every time I go to Orlando I'm going to catch a magic game when I'm in town and I want to try and so I'm on all kinds of Facebook groups. So if you're going to Orlando, tickets available here, xfl.com forward slash tickets. 
And there are a few people I know who did pick up on it and they'd thank me afterwards saying they really enjoyed themselves and they're Guardians fans off the back of it. Uh, so I want to see the fan base grow over here, selfishly because it gets us more people listening to our show potentially. Um, <laughs> but also from a, just a sheer growth of the game point of view, I think it would be easy if it does go on to BT Sport like it originally was because they have an ESPN channel on there. And it just seems that during the season, they picked the wrong ESPN channel out of all the ESPN channels to show, which I'm hoping next season, with the growth of the game, that will not be a problem. Yeah, because this whole premise of global, right? It's, we've heard it out of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's own mouth, where they said that the whole vision that they have is not just to have you know a very small city or nation point of view of a league and we've even heard xfl executives erica muleman even said during her speech at the hall of fame in canton ohio that they have an eye on the future of expansion and they mentioned mexico which is Mm -hmm. pretty easy for travel you know from the states that are definitely in consideration and that's before they even kicked off So now we know that they released on their press release back in January 5th that when they were putting things on the streaming platform here for ESPN Plus, obviously ESPN Player, and they were going to simulcast games in 142 countries. So we know that global thing was a very focal point of this ownership group and executive team. So the reason why I ask that is because we had seen all these things starting to pop up where Sports One announced they had secured a rights package to broadcast games in Austria, Germany, and Switzerland. And I'm like, you know, did you guys get that? But it, you didn't quite get we that. Didn't, That's unfortunate. Which, which I know, for example, that in Australia, it was shown on Fox Sport One. Like they showed every game on Fox Sport One in Australia. So I know that because I say when I've spoken, I've spoken to people around the world and this kind of thing. And like they, they had it. Whereas in the UK, we were kind of tied to, you had to watch it in the ESPN, ESPN player or not at all, which would have impacted the ability for fans to watch. Because to put it in perspective, the USFL is live now, and that's on Sky Sports, which is where we watch the NFL. It's on the exact, it's, it's on the exact same channel. And so it means that the exposure of one league over the other, it's easier to get exposure in one league than the other because of, the broadcasting rights, which I do think was a misstep from BC Sport for them not to pick it up because at the end of the day, it's primarily down to them what they put on. But at the same point, the XFL potentially could have pushed that envelope a little bit more themselves and said, let's, right, BC Sport, you had it in 2020. Why not have it now? Why not show it on your channel? And then that makes it easier because if you want to watch our version of football, not I'm not calling it what America's called it because it's not called that. But th- if you want to watch the Premier League, you need Sky Sports and BT Sports. If you want to watch the Champions League, you have to have BT Sports. So there's a lot of people who have BT Sports already. And it would have just opened up a whole marketplace that sadly was missed this year. I think it was the same thing with merchandise as well because the only place you can get merch for the XFL is either the USA or Canada. 
because I've been pushing all season going, you need to get it available. I, I feel that the amount of work I put in, I should be the first person in the UK rocking an XFL jersey here in the UK. Sadly, that had never came to fruition. So my quest continues into 2024 um, to continue trying and getting that sorted. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. And obviously growing pains to some extent because this ownership is not the exact ownership that had to own the first two iterations. You know, Vince McMahon is no longer involved. Yeah. You know, they got sold in bankruptcy back in August of 2020. So I think it's sometimes difficult for XFL fans of wherever you are to understand that this is essentially a true startup. It's a new ownership yeah. group. They might've brought back some of the executive team that had been tied into 2.0's version, but in the decision process, ownership the chairwoman is danny garcia we no longer have oliver luck a commissioner sitting at the helm so things are a bit different now so yeah that being said i find it interesting that you mentioned the battle hawks are really gravitated towards and you know i didn't even think about the cronky tie and when you did because i mean i've shared with my listeners all the time they know that i don't come from a an american or football background i come from a soccer background because where I attended high school, we didn't have a football team when I was coming up through high school. Eventually, they added it you know, later on. So I played soccer, and I actually played soccer in college. So I have a soccer background, and what people don't know is when Gareth and I were talking before we officially started this, I had shared some of my scars, you know, my uh, of the teams I support around wherever I tune into. And I should have latched onto that early on. I didn't even think about it. But it's interesting you bring up who they have really – supported or been drawn to versus the markets that they have a realistic opportunity potentially to attend. And it seems like, is that just the people of the United Kingdom not looking at it as if I'm going to go across and actually support? And they're just worried about more what they feel like their emotional support should be. I mean, it's kind of, I'm kind of intrigued as it's, to... It's a mix, I think. I think there's a mix there. You get some people who... you got to remember, there was a lot of teams that were, in effect, the same team names as what you had during the 2.0 iteration. So some people would have picked the fan base, would have picked the team during that, and that's it. It doesn't move. Uh, us Brits can be quite stubborn. You don't swap teams. Like, like if the same team exists, fortunately, that's what you got. No matter how bad they are, that is who you've got. So majority of the teams that have come back, yes, I know we had a brand new team altogether in the Brahmas and the Guardians and the Vipers moved states altogether. <laughs> but the rest of them were more or less teams from the 2.0 iteration. So I think there's a lot of fans who had already chose fan teams from that 2.0 iteration and continued with it. I don't think as well us Brits always necessarily think about the planning so much when it comes to going to America. It's one of those things when you go into a game, it normally is a big thing that you're planning. Like, I was hoping this year, because I'm going over to the States this year, I was hoping to be able to go catch an Eagles game since I was in the Northeast anyway. And annoyingly, the Eagles have decided to go over to LA and play when I'm over there. And then when I leave New York and travel to California, the Eagles play the Jets. In New York, the schedule yeah. couldn't have worked out any worse for me. So it's one of those things that where, to where instead I'm gonna have to plan a proper trip and look at all the rest of it, and then logistics then coming after the fact. Whereas I think Brits generally will pick a team like bearing in mind one of those proper teams in the UK 
is Green Bay. Like, it's borderline impossible for a Brit to get there half the time because there's no direct flight into Wisconsin from in the UK. You're talking flight to the States and then transfer while you're there. So I think it's more an emotional attachment. Once there's an emotional connection one way or another between a Brit and a team, you ain't going to shake that. No matter how much the NFL has tried that to shake that in the UK by giving us Jaguars every single year, it hasn't worked. Majority of Brits will still support the same team they supported before they went to see a Jags game. So I think it's loyalty to a fault is pretty much a problem we have in the Brit. We won't change. And I think there's the emotional connection is the reason why they chose the teams they've chose. You know, I was going to ask if there's any chance that you had seen any XFL merch or gear being worn, but you have answered the question, the fact that you can't even get it. That's a missed opportunity. And I, I'm not here. I'm a pro XFL show. Obviously that's what I cover. Yeah. And I never, that's a complete. It's, it's something I've been calling for. Like I've literally messaged it. Like I've fired in a few, like I've even said first person needs to be rock one in the UK should be myself. <laughs> I've done. Don't know if that's joking that lad, but the fact that you can't get any merch of it, don't get me wrong, you do see occasional old iterations of the other week I was walking around Liverpool and I saw a guy rocking a Orlando Rage jersey and I was like, Where the hell have you got that from? <laughs> where, where have you he was like, oh, I've had this. Obviously since I was in Orlando when the league was on and I'd end up picking it up, I was like, Fair play, I did not expect to see one of those. Uh, but it's like stuff like that you don't I don't think there was much of a chance for the 2.0 version to get merch available worldwide but now the XFL 3.0 hopefully the XFL moving forward hopefully they'll start looking at the international merch release as well because if you want to grow you need to find a way of getting fans internationally access to it because what the NFL does I'm not going to say really well because they don't because NFL Europe is a nightmare to buy off What's the name of the other one? There's basically another company as well, but again, they're not great for buying your merch off, but you can always buy merch. But yeah, there's a missed opportunity, I think, for us not to get any merch at all this year in the UK. So we're talking about there's interest, right? We're talking about how there's Facebook groups, wherever, social media, and you know, discussions being had. Seeing that there's the missed opportunity to just be able to click on your TV, you have to use the ESPN player, is is there any discussions or have there been any attempts or gatherings to try to stream it, you know, off ESPN player in a pub setting, which we know is a very important part of the British culture. And so, I mean, have you seen that in any way, or is that something definitely is another missed opportunity that maybe the XFL should be seeking official pub partners, which we have seen, various bar partners of teams, even like the Seattle sea dragons have on their social media, their little image and their various partners they have. I mean, is that something you think that could help grow if it's not already happening? Maybe I'm, I'm rambling on too much. You could just tell me, Gareth, it, the mic to show no, up. It, you're, you're it hasn't, it hasn't happened over here yet. Like you see people put on that. They're going to have a, like watch pies, but there's nothing official over here yet. I think it's because also as well, when the, the XFL kind of starts, you often find us Brits fans are tired by this point because the NFL seasons are, I'm not going to say it's a long season because that's a lie. It's only like, is it a 
there's not that many weeks in the actual general season when you look at it in general calendar. But the late nights catch up with you one way or the other. The Super Bowl, you're talking 5 a.m. in the morning. You're still going strong. So I don't know whether that the reason why they haven't this year is because they wanted to focus, obviously, try primarily growing that American marketplace this year and getting, because obviously there's still some growth areas required in some of the teams. Some teams have got a fan base and they're very well established now. Like St. Louis, fan base over there is phenomenal. DC is phenomenal for very different reasons. You've got there's the two new markets probably need a bit more work to help grow those fan bases. But I think that once they've got those established, then they may look towards their international partners. But I do think the priority needs to be getting it on BT Sport like it was with the 2.0 version of it. Just because of that just makes it easier for fans. It's not an extra subscription per month, which this day and age, cost of living and all that stuff, that $9.99 a month, when added to every other subscription you have to have, adds up. Absolutely. So that, again, does put people off a little bit. But I think that linking in, there are, well, like when the NFL comes to town over here, pubs get taken over. Like Tower Bridge Park in London just becomes a massive NFL party. And they could do with potentially looking at any pub that does show the NFL and American football fan pubs to try and get it in there next as a logical step. So I'm really going to put the cart in front of the horse here. I don't know if you ever heard that term. It's a very, uh, yeah. I guess you say country or redneck term here. I grew up on a potato farm and had my parents had some cows. So it's a term I use a lot. So my, my listeners are at least familiar with it. But we know that it's important to get things right. We just completed year one. And I know we got year two guaranteed by Danny Garcia. And we see all the steps happening. The, the showcases that are already scheduled. And we see that there's the rookie draft here upon us in a few weeks in this June. So we know there's going to be a year two. They're moving forward. So I'm just going to start... Let's, why don't we go ahead and speculate or think a little bit further down the future, whether it's four or five years, 10 years time, whatever. I mean, it, you know, a lot of people like to talk about expansion and that's why I'm not a big expansion. Talk. Yeah. But when they talk about this global presence, I mean, and they've already, Eric Mielman's already said in Mexico. So at least something's, you know, being discussed. And we knew the XFL had conversations with the Canadian football league before they ever mm-hmm. kicked off when they, this ownership first purchased the rights to the XFL. So if in due time, the XFL decides to cross the pond and put a team Mm -hmm. and we know how much time the NFL has already put into, you know, England, London, particularly over a decade now. Right. So, and I'm just going to broadly, if the NFL beats the XFL to it, which probably going to happen. So, you know, the NFL is even expanding by putting a couple of games in Germany now, and they're yeah. into that for the next couple of years, but they're not pulling out of London. So if there were a football team, a professional football team or American football team in England, in London, do you believe it would be fully supported and there'd be no concerns or that it's essentially a, a no brainer to do so, or are there legitimate concerns in doing so? I think it depends on the league. I think the NFL I'd have concerns with. And the main reason behind my concerns would be people don't switch allegiances easily. I Don't get me wrong. I think every game would sell out because we sell every game out over here no matter what. 
But I think we still have the record for the biggest Jagu- Jacksonville Jaguars attendance. Would have surprised me. <laughs> I like there was one year where we were given, don't get me wrong, now when they say some of these teams, they don't sound as bad, but when they came over here, they were. There's one year, a few years ago, we got the Falcons versus the Jets. And this is when the Jets were the Jets that we all know and love for being not very good. And like we had the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Miami Dolphins. It was prior to Tua becoming, looking like a good quarterback. So we had, in effect, two games, and neither one of them were games that people were like, wow, we've got Super Bowl champions coming over here. And yet we sold out them all in record time. So a t- team coming over here would sell out. But the problem is, would it be a home game for those teams? That is a different story. I think that it'd be a bit like when they open up the stadium in LA, and that one's a Chargers game in LA. It's usually an away team home game, really, because no disrespect to the fans over there in in LA for the Chargers. But like when you see Green Bay go there, or you see Philadelphia. Cowboys, you know, I mean, any of those teams that have a big fat, they literally take over the stadium. And I think that'd be the problem if it did come out. Whereas the XFL, on the other hand, is a different story because the alliances aren't quite there yet. We don't have necessarily the years of emotional heartache of watching your team get beat and all that stuff, the, all the trials and tribulations of being a fan. So, and the fact that the fan base over here isn't that big yet either. It stands a better chance. And also I think as well, to expand the NFL, I think it's quite hard because you couldn't get away with just doing one team. It would need to be either like one conference of four additional teams, which I don't think would make sense, or they need to find eight teams and expand to eight new teams to make it work. And you can have potentially, don't worry, I think I've already said this before, but I think how that would work is you'd have two international conferences. You'd have a Canada and Mexico and maybe Brazil conference. And then you'd have a European conference with Germany, UK, the Republic of Ireland, and maybe France and have a bit of a European cup. But it would involve eight teams. Whereas with an XFL expansion, you probably could get away with two teams, making it two divisions of five. And it's not so much of a an unrealistic thing because if you think trying to eight, land eight brand new teams in a league with no fan base no establish anything it's hard like you've seen the, with the XFL this year really they only had two brand new fan bases and they were the two teams with the lowest attendance all season long and obviously it takes time to build up a fan base so you're potentially going to have some franchise going to lose your money for a period of time before they start making your money so that's where I think maybe the XFL has a better shot at landing one than an NFL, just due to the size. And we have seen leagues try before and have international. Um, I'm massively into my rugby league. And we had, for one season before COVID came in and ended it, unfortunately, Toronto had a team in that league. The Toronto Wolfpack were in the Super League for a season. And how it worked was they would do all their home games in a row and all their away games in a row. Mm. So in effect, that they would literally, and then the team who were going out there would always get the bye the following week. And that's how they scheduled it. It was like, which kind of worked because it meant that you knew what their schedule was. They weren't suffering with jet lag by keep going backwards and forwards. And it was, don't get me wrong, they weren't doing very well. I think they were bottom and hadn't won a game. 
but <laughs> that's because they were playing all their away games. Potentially, when they took teams over to Canada, it might have been a different story. But unfortunately, COVID came in and killed that experiment before it had a chance to get to fruition. Like so many things, COVID decided to ruin for us all. But yeah, no, it, it, I think XFL does have a better shot at landing an international than the NFL. If you were to say, how far out would that be before you think the fan base, an XFL fan base, would actually be prepared? Would it be five years out, ten years out? The UK would I be think, prepared longer? I think minimum five years. Minimum five years. The reason I'd say that is it gives the league a good chance to get a good solid footing in the States. It also gives the league a chance for a fan base to grow in the UK. Because I don't get me wrong, I think if you announce an XFL team moves to the UK, you'll get your NFL fans all rock up and watch. And they're more likely to then support that team than those fans that have who are watching the XFL week in, week out now. Like because people get their allegiances and they won't want to swap them. Right. Whereas if you're probably better when you don't have a massive fan base in the UK to launch one over here, because we have fans of American football who will love the opportunity. The only other thing you want to be doing, though, if you are going to bring a team over here, do not call it London anything. You will literally isolate the rest of the UK by naming a team London. Because how the opinion is in the UK is London gets everything. London is like the spoiled kid in the family. Like For the rest of the UK, we almost envision them as that spoiled brat who has a tantrum and gets given a new toy every time. So by calling it London, you literally would isolate the rest of the UK fan base was. And you would so it'd need to be something like England or British or it'd have to be something like that for it to succeed as well. Because by naming it London, you're literally guaranteeing it will not be supported by anyone other than people in London. You know, it's not surprising because here stateside, I believe most of the people, and we use this term sometimes, in the flyover states, right? That's between New York and Los Angeles. I think a lot of people have that same feeling about New York and Los Angeles. And yes, they're major cities for us. 8 million in population, almost 4 million population, LA. I get it. But there is so much more to the population of the country. Now, obviously, we're a massive country here as far as land mass and population over in the 300 million range. But it would be a very good point. But, I mean, I, I just wonder how odd by using a nation's name tied to a professional. It, it just... I could see that being a little bit different, but if the people would be able to latch onto it and would that potentially hinder a league like the XFL or whoever to come in and eventually put a second franchise or something, if it were deemed to be a success. So, I mean, like, could I that think, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think, but obviously in American football, you do have somewhere it's not quite, but it's a region. Do you know what I mean? Like you, like new England in effect is quite a big area as new England. Um, we'll just have old England um, play, playing against them, you know, <laughs> or ancient England, whatever you want to call them. I think, to be fair, I think you could get away with doing. I think by the looks of the what the NFL are kind of doing a little bit. So now originally they were flirting with the idea of two teams based in London and two teams based in Germany, which I didn't like that concept because the reason they were choosing two teams in London is because you got Tottenham and Wembley both going. We want games, but. 
again, the problem you've got is the UK is much bigger than just London. London is a, a horrible little place that no one should ever really want to go. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a tourist trap, and I know obviously Americans love a good tourist trap when they come into the UK. They love London, but for us Brits, majority of us don't like going down to London. You'll only catch me going down there if there's a tour, some kind of sporting event on that I have to go and attend. Otherwise, you will not catch me there for love nor money. But like you've got the north of the England as well, where you've got a place like Manchester, which, don't get me wrong, being in Liverpool, if you named it Manchester, I'm not going to support a team called Manchester or anything. But it's easier to go to. Then you've got Scotland, where you've got, like when you used to have the European League back in the day, you had the Scottish Claymores and the London Monarchs were the two teams they had in that league. And then but you've also then got like some Ireland, where you've got the NFL are starting to grow into Ireland now with the Jags and the Pittsburgh Steelers have chose the Republic of Ireland as their growth market. But you've got to get a very nice stadium there. And I think it's called the Aviva now. But, but you've got a real good chance of utilising potentially a lot of your what I'd call your Six Nations stadiums from rugby as a very good base. Because end of the day, the posts are quite similar as well, aren't they? <laughs> Between rugby and... But like those stadiums are quite impressive stadiums. you got the one in Parc de Prince, the Paris in... Parc de Prince in Paris. You've got... In Italy, you've got... So the six very good, big-sized stadiums that could easily accommodate teams like that. And they're used to big guys running on those pitches because they're used to big, heavy rugby players on it. So there is opportunity there for a new league. But I think if you do name a team, London anything, you are going to isolate pretty much anyone north of, I'd say Watford, uh, which is only just north of London. You're literally talking only just above London's place called Watford. Anything above there is not going to support London anything. Gareth, I think we put the cart in front of the horse and the cart ran away on us. No, I, as far as XFL yeah. fans are going to look at, like, whoa, you guys really went on that. But I, I just think it's it's interesting because you got to see what could be realistic, what might not be realistic, you know, what type of appetite there may or may not be, and all those type of things. And I think it's important to see when they sign that deal to simulcast in those 142 nations, well, there is an appetite someplace mm-hmm. and there's a bigger vision. So it's not capped that this could never happen. Yes. They have to establish their foundation here. stateside. They have to lock in the business model hundred percent to fund it moving forward. So this is not just a two or three year leak. I understand all that. And some people might've got a little annoyed if they just listened to us, but I think it's important that we already know where we essentially are. We've I just had, in the last episode talking about the TV ratings here in the United States and is it good? Is it bad? And blah, blah, blah. So we understand a little bit more where we are here stateside, but there's another financial piece to the pie that the league is actually essentially cashing in on and how big that is. We don't know because we don't have those figures in front of us. No one's released it obviously, but when there are 142 nations simulcasting the league that tells you there's a monetary value somehow. Is it ESPN or the Walt Disney companies getting all that money? But if that's the case, however it's figured out, it makes the league more, I guess, appealing to broadcasters, Mm -hmm. to whoever. And that's, what's important here is to realize that, okay, there is this other part. It's not just the 330 million people that are living in the United States or 
even north of the border, south of the border in Mexico, that are going to eventually in the short term probably really support this because there's a lot of support outside of our borders across either ocean that are probably just as important in this overall vision and business model. So I just wanted to not ignore that. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we get caught up in our own television ratings as to what is good and bad here in the United States that we fail to remember there is way more this Mm -hmm. ownership group is considering and dealing with that impacts the product that we're going to see in 2024 and potentially beyond. So with that being said, you know, without keep talking about expansion and all that stuff, you have a show and anyone that hasn't checked it out definitely needs to, because you've had some amazing guests on there, players, coaches, as you had alluded to. And, you know, I guess what I'm curious, we have a long lengthy off season here compared to any other professional sports league. Yeah. Just, you know, we talk about the NFL doesn't have a long schedule. Well, the XFLs is even shorter. So here we are. We're in the off season. Anybody that's craving XFL content, you know, obviously my show is going to do its best to put something out every week, but how are you going to approach the off season? I mean, I know it's, it's always a struggle. You have a lot of other things going on, but are you going to try to, still put together content weekly or bi-weekly? I mean, just so if somebody wants to tune into your show. So we are going, we are still going to put out some content. I think it's going to be more of a, on an irregular basis at the moment for the XFL, because we are we took a bit of a break as well from our NFL content as well. At the moment, we kind of give ourselves a month gap once the draft is done to then player camp, stuff like that. But during that time, I'm still very, very busy, annoying all of the various teams directors of communication, every agent who's ever existed probably got an email from me at this point in their inbox going, can I speak to this person? And I think what will be interesting for me is once the draft is done, because that I think is going to be where I'm probably next going to come back to the teams and go, I would like to speak to this player, please, that player, please. And that's when you probably start seeing more of my stuff starting to come out again will be after the draft is done, I'm going to then obviously start going back to all my various friends and communication departments and saying, hello, can I have X, Y, and Z please for the show? Just because it'd be good to hear their stories. Because one thing I found really interesting before the season started, one of my first guests was Abram Smith. And he was such a likable bloke, but also at the same point, you could hear the determination, the character that he was, the general demeanor of the guy. After that interview, I wanted to see him succeed in oh, everything like he was such and then when he hit the XFL he didn't half hit the ground running and like literally the running back the pun was not intentional but like he went on to dominate the league as the best running back in the league and I got him on again for a second time and it was one of those where it was just like such a good guy and what I want to try and do with some of these players is share some of the stories from before the XFL like also one of the earliest interviews was with uh, Titan and Stanley that got cut from Orlando and Tommy Oje, who he played out in in Austria and like what he found the experience like over there. And I had Taylor Rossellino on who played over in China and the kind of things you don't think about. Because I know traditionally when people think American football, they think of, well, sorry, football, they think of, their area, they think of the college, they think of the high school, then college, and then that's it for a lot of players. They think that's the end of it, whereas 
some of these players have gone on and played here, there, and everywhere. And that it's I always quite interesting to get those stories and hear about those experiences. Because I remember Taylor Russell, he was talking about like whenever he's, they played in China, like the fans didn't really know what's going on because they didn't know what. But he said whenever the ball was in there, all you hear was like, ooh, ah. <laughs> he said they were always excited when there was a kick. Um, and he said it was just quite, ex- obviously as a kicker, it just meant that his job was great. It just meant that he was the guy who was bringing the, the excitement to the whole thing. And it's stuff like that. I, I want to get to know the rookie class that we've got coming in. Because a lot of these guys have got, some of them may have a chip on their shoulder because they didn't get drafted in the NFL. Or they didn't quite make it in the NFL. So it's about and how they use that to go on to succeed, as Abram Smith's classic case of that, he got cut by the Saints, and he could have took it at that point and gone, because don't get me wrong, that Saints running back room wasn't exactly a weak running back room either, to be fair. It was, it was stacked with talent. And he, t- he took it on instead. I'm going to be, when I come to the XFL, the best running back in this league. And he was. Like, there was no question he was. Every stat says he was. And how that he hasn't been picked up by an NFL team yet also confuses me at this point. I'm not going to lie. But anyway, that's my own personal moaning about that because I've picked him up on a few fantasy drafts just to be on the safe side. It's uh, odd. <laughs> it really is. I mean, because he was the clear-cut best running back, if you look at numbers. Even we got at- Max Borg. He's just been picked up, hasn't he? Well, he's, he's on... He's on Trial, he's on a trial. Yeah, he didn't sign a contract yet, but I mean, yet. it doesn't mean it can't happen it, once he gets no. going. And, but it's also quite good though when you see some of the players that I have spoke to who have gone on to sign contracts because you've got the likes of Lucky Jackson, who not long signed with the Minnesota Vikings, and he hadn't been on long before because he was one of my later guests into the season. And Rambo as well, Chelsea Rambo, who signed for the Eagles. And it's it's good when you see players like that. You go, ah, I spoke to him and he's now gone on to sign. It's always quite a good thing to see. It always feels like that you've got to know these people potentially before they have gone on and potentially go on to do something remarkable this season, you hope. But yeah, it's definitely one of those where we are going to look to put out more content. There are, unfortunately, there's a rival league that have asked us if we want to do an interview as well. So we will have some of those as well coming up. And we have got some more we got some more NFL kind of content as well coming because the Jacksonville Jaguars are coming over to the UK this month and next month. They do a bit of a tour of the UK. I'm sending over a few of their players. Um we're gonna do some interviews for those. So we are still gonna be busy, but I think the XFL at the moment will be on a bit of a die down a little bit until that draft. And then once that draft's done, expect to hear me interviewing every week again. Well, Gareth, it has been a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show. I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen to discuss just the XFL in general and the awareness of the league in the United Kingdom. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, before you go, I give everyone the opportunity. We had talked about your show and obviously the great interviews and stuff that you do. So why don't you go ahead and let everyone know where they could find your show, whether it's on a website, whether it's social media handles, and even yourself. Uh, You can find us on literally every social media. We are the franchise tag. Very, very easy to find. We're literally the only one who goes by that name, it seems, which surprises me with a sport like American football. I'd assume there'd be more called that, but no, we are the only one. You can find us on YouTube, 
Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd like to do video as well as just audio. So wherever you want to listen to podcasts, you'll find us. But yeah, no, we are obviously very, very pleased to be able to come on and speak to yourself. And we are, again, if you ever want to come on and speak to, speak to us, feel free as well, because it's always good to hear other people's thoughts on the game that we all share and love. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and we'll, we'll see what the future holds. You know, when you guys are looking to get back into swinging things, you know, you deserve a break. You do cover a whole lot in the American football world. So when you have a spare moment, you need somebody that's not as uh, notable well, as some of these coaches or players. I, you know, let's see right down to the, the offseason now. Like we had an event the other week where we went over because we had the NFL flag girls final here down in London. And the Bears and the Jets sent people over for it. And we were covering that event as well. And we had a guy on the ground doing all the interviews. And then it then goes to me to edit because obviously I'm the editor of everything as well. So even though it's a quiet season, we've still always got something on the go with NFL UK or just generally some kind of content one way or the other. But we, we love interacting with people. We love getting the conversations with around people's favorite players want to know what kind of stuff people want to hear but yeah we are very much fan led so we are people who we are fans and we like other fans to get involved well there you have it people you need to find them on social media find and listen to their show and reach out right it sounds like that's what you want so reach out and, yeah we, uh, we like people getting involved like we we started doing we had writers came on board this year for us as well um we've had loads of stuff like that we've had yeah a big year of growth for us we've had a lot of growth in the past 12 months which xfl has definitely helped with can only but thank the people from the xfl who we've been dealing with particularly andy over in orlando who has been phenomenal and over in dc we've also got again those two teams have been brilliant for us particularly with how good dc have been as well it was great how much engagement I was able to get from them. St. Louis, next year, I'll be back and I will get someone off you. <laughs> Brian needs to reach out to you then. That's I, I've, I've, to, I've been to his press conferences a few times, but I'm like, come on, Brian, give me someone. He's the only one I've not had on. And, you know, their fan base is crazy over there in St. Louis. So oh, it looks awesome. I can understand. Well, no, thank you very much. You're welcome. Seeing ownership has claimed they have a global vision. I believe it is important to get a foreign perspective. Having the opportunity to discuss the league with Gareth and learn of its awareness and interest helps us gauge how the XFL is doing abroad. As I have also previously mentioned, I will now be joined by CJME News and CKOM News reporter Britton Gray to discuss the Colin Kelly situation and XFL awareness in Canada. Welcome, Britton. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the Colin Kelly situation and the XFL with me. Absolutely. Love talking football. Let's get to it. We all do. It doesn't matter what type of football. It's still football. But before we dive into the conversation, I believe it would be beneficial if you took a moment to share your background for our listeners so they'll have a better understanding of who you are as to why I have brought you on to the show to discuss the Colin Kelly situation and XFL from a Canadian perspective. Yeah, uh, my name is Britton Gray. I am the uh, writer, reporter, sports journalist with Rollco Radio here in 
uh, Saskatchewan. So it's right in the middle of Canada for those people who don't know. Uh, based in Regina, that's where the uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play. Uh, I grew up here, journalism degree, been covering the team for the past five years. And best way to describe the Riders for people who don't know is that they're pretty much the Green Bay Packers of the Canadian Football League. They're a small market, but boy, do they the fans show up always. They're one of the more rapid fan bases in the CFL. And overall, just one of those football hotbeds, which... A lot of XFL uh, people are aware down in Texas, very similar. And that's about it. Three down football up here. So I encourage you to ever give it a, give it a look into. I have, I don't have a team, but I have a soft spot for the Edmonton Elks. Don't ask <laughs> me why, but I do have a soft spot. So when it used to be on ESPN plus, I used to mm-hmm. always tend to tune in to Elks games if they were on not that I seeked it, not that I ever marked my calendar, but for whatever reason, if I was flicking through, I always had a soft spot. So I can't really explain it. I wish I could. It's just kind of even, it baffles me to some extent. I, I guess I'll leave it at that. But for anybody else, it's it's football. It's just different ways, but uh, it's no different than, the, well, I won't say it's no different, but the college game and the NFL game here, and even the XFL, we have some different rules. The mm-hmm. field is a bit different and whatnot, but got to give it a shot. It's still football. If you enjoy the sport, why not just kind of try something else? You know, it's like different types of food, different dishes, similar, but just a little, yeah, just give it another shot. You never know. You might like it a little bit more than you'd anticipate. But anyway, we can sit there and compare or <laughs> yep. encourage people all we want. We'll get right into the nitty gritty here. Let's talk about what now appears to be the former Seattle Sea Dragons offensive lineman, Colin Kelly. On June 4th, the Canadian Football League's Saskatchewan, if I'm saying it wrong, let me know, but Saskatchewan Rough Riders announced that they had signed Colin Kelly. Many within the XFL media circles were surprised by this. We had the understanding that the 2023 XFL players would remain under contract unless they were signed with a National Football League team. And I noticed that even on June 8th, you made a post with an image of Colin Kelly participating in the Rough Riders practice on your Twitter account. Mm -hmm. So clearly, us XFL folks are confused, baffled. We're missing something. What can you tell us about the Kelly's return to the CFL? Uh, I mean, we were all kind of confused as well because we were under the understanding that if you signed in the XFL, the CFL wasn't on your plate until 2024 after the contract expired, I believe, in December. A prime example of that, especially a connection to Saskatchewan, is linebacker Darnell Sankey, who was the Riders' most outstanding player last year, most outstanding defensive player, led the CFL in tackles, went to the XFL. And when the league, the season ended for the XFL, we all thought, well, maybe they could make a play, bring back Darnell Sankey or some other CFL team to do it. But uh, it was reported that, no, that wasn't the case. You couldn't do that. And then the report comes in that the Riders have signed Colin Kelly. So we're all like, hang on here. What, what's going on? And, and so we got a chance to talk to the general manager here, Jeremy O'Day, and ask how this one was possible. And what seems to have happened was in the original contract, with Colin Kelly in Seattle was there was a release clause. He was able to get out of his contract and come to the Canadian football league. I don't know 
how common that is, how many players are searching that out. But it was clearly something that uh, Colin Kelly wanted to add to his contract. He's been in the CFL for years now. He's appeared in 90 games in the CFL. He knows what you can get out of this league. He knows what the league is like. So he clearly enjoyed it enough and thought maybe that was his next best step out of the XFL was to get right back into playing football. And that appears to be the case. Like we said, he is practicing. Another kind of interesting thing with the Colin Kelly situation is he's actually suspended for the first two games of the CFL season because he did test positive for a banned substance. That happened. He's suspended. He went to go play in the XFL, got a full season in. And I mean, now he's back here, won't play for two weeks, but he just finished an entire season. So I don't think conditioning is going to be an issue for him. But like like I said, it was very weird because none of us really expected an XFL player to be on the table, but it's clear he was because he's here. And it makes you wonder how many other players maybe do have these release clauses built in, how many players maybe did look at the kind of football landscape and saw opportunities to continue playing make some more money like Colin Kelly did. That's an interesting answer. Development, whatever you want to call it. Because I couldn't help but look back at the Canadian Football League and XFL discussions from early 2021. And I know both leagues are separate entities which operate significantly different ways. But I can't help but wonder, was there some form of gentleman's agreement? I'm not trying mm-hmm. to get you know into the weeds of speculation too much, but I just wonder when they actually left the table, it was in better standing and in a better brotherhood than maybe what we thought, right? Because everyone was thinking merger, 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 merger. When yeah. All we heard initially was collaboration. I think a bunch of us ran with that merger piece, and for good or bad, we were on whatever side of that and just talked about merge all the time. And I think we lost track of collaboration. So seeing that the league schedules do not overlap, perhaps they maybe more so the XFL drafted contracts to allow players to play in both. And what you're saying is that in Kelly's situation, they allowed him to have that out clause or that release clause. So by doing that, they give the XFL an opportunity for higher quality of players and play. And it also didn't just hinder the CFL because if there's going to ever be future collaboration, well, maybe we need to have that kind of gentleman's agreement. So I was going to ask that question, was there a possibility? Have you heard anything? Have you learned anything to the likelihood of that happening? But it seems like in this one case, it's true. But Is there anything else that we're hearing that maybe the leagues have a better friendship than we realize currently? I mean, it's a possibility. And during those talks, I think there was from certain people involved in the league, a real appetite to collaborate and get involved in the XFL, especially as they were kind of really unveiling things with the rock and and everything was going on. So I do know that there was, I think an appetite from some to do that. It didn't come to fruition. Now, in terms of what the current agreement is, that's tough to say because, like I said, Darnell Sankey is a CFL player, and he reportedly cannot sign with a CFL team until December or after the season. So to me, this was more of a not necessarily the leagues coming together, 
but maybe his agent went to a team and said, Hey, we really want to come play, but he also really enjoys the CFL. He's made a career there. He has a good reputation. He's a guy who started a ton of games. Can we work this out where if, if something is, I don't know, met or if we come to an agreement that it's okay for him to go back. And that's what I get the feeling just because we haven't seen a lot of XFL guys make the jump outside of Colin Kelly to, to come to the CFL again. And so I think a lot of guys are either waiting for their NFL opportunity, which you, you can't blame them. We are seeing XFL guys get those spots, just like CFL guys get those spots every year. So some, maybe some are waiting, maybe Colin Kelly at his age and the fact he's played so long realized maybe the NFL probably isn't calling at this point. If I want to continue playing and make some more money this year, that's another thing. Like he was, he's essentially in a span of a calendar year, will play nearly three seasons of football and get money for that. Hey, that, that's a good living. <laughs> if you add up all the paychecks, they're not NFL paychecks, but you add it up, you can make a living now playing football, which is why I believe that I think it was more of this individual basis than an overall agreement because the Darnell Sankey contract is kind of an interesting one. And that's where it's like, well, you can't just jump to the CFL if you want. Clearly something else had to be put in place. And it sounds like uh, talking to Jeremy O'Day, was that they had talked to Colin Kelly during free agency before he uh, signed with the XFL, was that they were interested in bringing him in. He said, no, I want to I'm going to go play in the XFL. Made his intentions clear of that. So maybe the fact that the Riders and some other teams maybe reached out to him about signing him, he was much more willing to come back to the CFL knowing that someone somewhere wanted to give him a job. The exception, not the rule, by the sounds of it. As of now, like if people start signing contracts, then who knows? But this is the only one I can think of. It does lead me to think, though, that there must have been just enough there where the contract being offered by the XFL was an ironclad for everybody. There was Mm -hmm. some wiggle room or moving forward, there is wiggle room for players, which it's encouraging for players, regardless of where you're at. Right. Whether you play in the CFL, whether you play in the XFL. It's always nice to have some flexibility, especially if you're a proven player, because Kelly, what is he, 33 years old, something like that? He's very established, like you had mentioned. At this point, he knows the NFL is probably not in the cards, mm-hmm. his uh, you know, stage of his career, his age, but enough that he knows he loves the game, knows he can make a living at it, and in this case, do a decent living, like you had mentioned. So, yeah, the exception, not the rule, but it also just shows us that if one player and agent was able to pull this off, How crafty were others? And now time will tell, you know, we'll we'll learn. But Mm -hmm. it's kind of that thing now is that what we knew or what we thought we knew isn't exactly always the truth. As leagues, you know, progress, whatever, we'll always find out some interesting twists, if you will. But while I have you here, obviously Colin Kelly is playing in the CFL. It is a done deal. I saw your picture that you had posted. It's not like a possibility. It's a done deal. I wanted also want to pick your mind here a little bit about the XFL in general, seeing that you are a Canadian. I'm like, well, you know, I am just starting to get into my off-season part of content and stuff that I really didn't dive into during the XFL 2023 season. So. On several occasions, the XFL ownership and leadership 
have stated it has its vision and intention of being a global league. Per the XFL's press release on January 5th, we know that the games are going to be available on ESPN+, Plus, simulcasted in 142 countries. Before the season kicked off, we even found out that Sports 1 announced it was securing rights package to broadcast games in Austria, Germany, Switzerland. So we know from the league and from various broadcast networks that they were broadcasting XFL games overseas or beyond the American borders to be, you know, not just overseas. So I mentioned all this because the XFL did achieve somewhat of a global presence in this recent iteration. What I don't know is what it was north of the border. So what network in Canada had rights I mean, how easy was it to find broadcasted XFL games? Seeing that you're a football guy, I would assume you were in tuned enough to see what was offered, what wasn't, and to what extent. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting with that. It, like f- football, I, I can't remember exactly what network, but I mean, what the internet has done is made it actively available for a lot of people. And I know that early on into uh, the XFL's reiteration, especially with The Rock getting involved, it was getting a ton of press and you're kind of uh, paying attention. The issue the XFL, I think, will have is that in Canada, we have the CFL. We've had the CFL for a long time. That's kind of when we watch our football. And a lot of people up in Canada, it's it's hockey. When when, when winter is happening, a lot of people are just watching the NHL. and And so it's a thing that I think any spring league football in the States or anything that plays in kind of those periods to have to overcome is that there's a lot of other things on the go, right? Like you have to compete with a lot of other sports for people's attention. And I noticed in the XFL, one of the best things they did was bring football back to St. Louis. Those attendance numbers are are great. And you can tell St. Louis is football hungry. So getting to those markets work, but in terms of Canadian viewing, I, I can't necessarily tell you how big it was here. Did I have people talking about it? Sure, but those are the hardcore football guys. I don't know if it really reached into enough casual uh, television screens in Canada to make that much of a dent. And like I said, part of that is just when it's winter up here, the NHL is king. It's tough to argue and break through that. So as far as broadcasting, was it more something you had to find on a streaming service, the internet, or was it something that was actually on like TSN? Uh, I believe so. I think it was on TSN. Don't, uh, but I don't quote me on that because I, I can't recall. Because I remember people watching Week One because there was the intrigue of it. But I, yeah, you couldn't quote me on in terms of if it was on TSN or not. I know that I believe there was an option for people. I don't think just online streaming was it. But unfortunately, it was kind of it's a it's one of those things where you you can see it and now you can follow along on Twitter. You're seeing what's happening, like seeing Ben DiNucci throw to Josh Gordon was a great highlight because both those players are are, are great. I'm a, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I know a little bit about Ben DiNucci. So <laughs> good to see that. But uh, like people were paying attention, but it, it wasn't, I think, grasping like you might assume it would. You know, I didn't really assume it. I think a lot of people think back to 2020 and it had a very good run here for those mm-hmm. five weeks before the pandemic, you know, ultimately halted the XFL among a lot of things in the United States and abroad. 
So I knew things weren't going to be the same. And there's only so many times that you can start and stop and start and stop before a doesn't matter if it's a three letters or a brand because they keep changing the logos and whatnot. But even a brand at some point starts to lose its mm-hmm. um, interest, you know, at some point. So I'm like, you know, at some point they may have already been up against that. And that stigma of failure is not a good thing for anybody. And then I didn't know if it would take hold in say Canada because of those previous discussions, as we had mentioned earlier, that a lot of people thought merger, merger, merger. And there were people dug into their trenches one way or another, like, and I get it, you know, Canadians love their brand of football has been around for over a hundred years. What you had a 109th great cup, maybe mm-hmm. recently is what it was. So I get it. You don't want to give up something that you have a long, rich history of. And that could have been just enough stigma against the XFL as well. So I just thought I'd ask because if somebody that's really in tune in football, and you even mentioned how you are a Cowboys fan, if you couldn't tell me what network it's on, it did not stick. <laughs> that's that's all I need to know. That's all that my listeners need to know. That's the type of stuff that, like, it's not that I expected you to start raveling off rating. Yeah. I did not expect that. What I was trying to get at is, if you didn't know what network it was on, by far the average person sure as hell did not. I just double checked. It was on TSN Plus, which was their online streaming platform. That's where I'm sure I think they played the championship game. But TSN Plus is where you found your XFL football, which is kind of a limited space. You have to have TSN Plus. It's a free thing, but you have to be willing to go on your computer, stream it in some way. So it's, it's tough uh, grasping out there for new leagues. That's for sure. Well, it's something you're not going to stumble across. It's something you got to go seek out. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like ESPN Plus. I mean, unless you're just scrolling through to see what's live at, at the moment on ESPN Plus here, you could stumble across it, but you have to be logged into the app. You have to be clicked on, whether it's the regular ESPN or the Plus feature. You know, you're not just going to typically stumble across something you're really seeking out. So that tells us all that we need to know is that it wasn't on broadcast television like we had seen over in Germany and Austria and, and whatnot. It's just, it's interesting global presence, but not the global presence. I think that a lot of us XFL fans thought was really out there after listening from ownership and executives. So I appreciate that insight because you would think something so close to home, so to speak, like Canada, mm-hmm. maybe it would be a little bit more prevalent, but in this case, not the case, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I it also comes to the point that uh, in Canada, if you're watching the CFL, like you, you might be footballed out. <laughs> like the CFL is having their opening weekend right now. And we know the juggernaut that the NFL is. That goes until February. So from uh, training camps in the CFL began in May. So from May to February, if you're a football fan in Canada, you have a lot of football to watch and pay attention to. And then those other few months, maybe the casual fan, there's not that appetite for football. And even in, even with the CFL, once hockey starts, like I said, that's the big hurdle these leagues have to overcome in terms of getting into Canada is that it just people's attention often turns to that. Well, that probably even happens with the national football league as the earlier part of the NHL season, they dropped the puck, so to speak. And I'm assuming NFL Ratings in Canada probably take a dip as well when it's NHL season. No difference. NFL's weird though. It, it is it is king on Sundays. Like it, 
a lot of people do still make days of watching NFL football. It, like the NFL, all the credit to them. They they have completely dominated Sunday. Sunday, they've almost exclusively taken over that day. Well, here in the States as well. I mean, we, we know that yeah. here, but it's interesting to know that in Canada as well. So intriguing. To dive into that global discussion or mentioning repeatedly from ownership and executives, we even had Erica Muehlman mentioned during her Hall of Fame luncheon speech, which was before the XFL season had kicked off. The league has an eye on future expansion and that Mexico is among the markets of consideration. I'm thinking, well, if Mexico's in play, there's been conversations of collaboration north of the border. One, I don't know how likely expansion really is anyway, because you got to get beyond season two. I think three, you got to have three solid seasons before you can really think about it. Mm-hmm. But if it's already a discussion, if they're already potentially keeping an eye on certain markets, if Canada was in play, what city do you think would make the most sense? I think if you're looking at expansion in terms of that, you probably have to go to get in. If you get into the Toronto market, that's big. That's the biggest market in Canada. If you can find a way to get in there, though, that's tough. I, there's been rumors the NFL has also tried to come up with some sort of collaboration. We know what they do with the Buffalo Bills. That's a very a good relationship there. Uh, I mean, Quebec City, they don't have a CFL team. If you're looking maybe there for expansion, Atlantic Canada. That's another place you could look at for expansion. But the CFL also has those markets on their mind, right? They also want to expand. It's a nine-team league right now in the CFL. And and nine teams, scheduling-wise, isn't really great because one team is always on a bye week. We have three bye weeks up here for teams. So I don't know if Canada would ever really be on the table as as of now. Who knows what happens in five, ten years? Because we know that there were talks between the XFL and the CFL. And the CFL has gone to the U.S. before. They have had U.S. expansion. So never say never. But I think in terms of Canadian markets, the CFL kind of knows what where they want to go. And then like the XFL season two up in Canada, it is cold. You are playing in snow during the XFL season. That is another hurdle you have to overcome with those months. And so that's why I don't think it's a possibility, because even in Vancouver, you, you never know what the weather's going to be like there. And even though they do have an indoor stadium, the BC Lions are do have a roof. But I think it's a tough market to break into with everything else going on. Yeah, I just, I guess I don't think Canada's really in play. Yeah. And I'm not just trying to agree with you. I mean, I, I think about, well, they're at the table. And if they were going to merge, you know, the, they would have came right after the pandemic when everyone was hurt and everyone was trying to figure a way to survive. And if it wasn't going to come together, then well, there's not going to be a, a merger down the line. I highly doubt it is what I should yeah. say. But to think I had Rod Peterson on back a while ago when things were surfacing again with the Argos and, and whatnot. And we just kind of we talked about it, how whatever reason, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire, but it doesn't always guarantee that there is. And he was like, well, if somebody was to break away, it probably would be Toronto. And I'm like, okay, because maybe they just don't feel like they fit in right. 
you know, they're the right fit in the CFL, but they struggle for attendance. And is it because they don't care for the CFL brand of football in Toronto? Maybe they view themselves differently, but he also mentioned that he thought, well, their other possibility could be Montreal. Well, Montreal already changed ownership hands. So I can't see that if one ownership might've been like a, whatever happens, Toronto, maybe we'll or latch on and follow. Well, if you have new ownership, what's the vibe there is the CFL more unified compared to when we had heard back initially with Toronto, not saying that you're in all those discussions, but what are you hearing? Seeing that you obviously are in Canada, you're very in tune with what's <laughs> going on with the league. Does it sound like everything's much more cohesive between the nine teams, the nine cities? I'm not going to say unified so much as getting that ownership situation in Montreal was needed. They had to find new ownership there. It, it was, it did not help that team this free agency because I think it drove some through. I know actually, I know it drove some free agents away. That's how the Saskatchewan Rough Riders got their new quarterback was he didn't want to resign there with that. I feel like the CFL, when they were looking for that new owner, it was to be a CFL team, not just who can afford it. It's we want you to be involved in the CFL. They have all these big things planned. So I think they're more in cohesion with that now with an owner who who has a lot of money. The, the, the guy they found, uh, his name escapes off the top of my head, but he very rich guy. So that helps. In terms of Toronto, the thing with Toronto is that it's owned by Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, who owns the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Argonauts and what they do for their business, it's just, it's small. It, it, it's the reality of it. They don't get a lot of fans out. They they just won the Grey Cup, and I have no idea if that is going to lead to an increase in seats or not because, because they've won Grey Cups before, and it hasn't translated into higher attendances in, in the long run. And so I think there was that appetite by Toronto and MLSC to get involved not necessarily with the XFL, but with the branding of The Rock. I think that was what was really driving it and to get into the States because having a, a share with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you see what those US TV contracts are like. You you see what you can get from them. And I think that's more of what they wanted was to hitch their way into The Rock and get into the, some uh, American television. They didn't do that. They got a deal with CBS Sports Network now to show games in the US. They're they're providing their own streaming service now. The CFL is for American fans to tune into if it's not on CBS Sports Network. So I don't think there's that as much of an appetite any, anymore to go with the XFL because, I, like you said, if they were going to do it, it was going to be during or after the pandemic. That's when a lot of talks were happening, and that seems to be no longer the case. We haven't talked about some sort of relationship building between the two leagues since then. Yeah, the other piece that I don't know how many people really focused on that much, the XFL's eight teams is owned by one ownership. It'd be very tough for MLSE to take one team or any other Canadian team for that matter to want to go join a league where the other teams are owned by one central. It just doesn't seem like the right fit. Something would have to drastically change down the line for that. But, I mean, I talk about this expansion. I talk about is it ever a possibility because I, I had another gentleman on from the United Kingdom, and he's been talking about what it's like over there. And we even talked about, well, okay, Erica Mielman's mentioning Mexico. But what ifs? 
It doesn't mean anything's likely to happen. It's probably more likely not to happen, but it's just, it's nice to talk about, well, if there's discussion on one, what could it mean for fans of a league that may want to have, heck, Canadians probably would love to have an American football team, but whether, you know, what I'm saying is like when the Bills played in Toronto there for a couple seasons in a row, they were always having to play in one Mm -hmm. game or two or whatever it was. It probably was kind of oh new, fresh, and exciting. Kind of like how London gets a couple of games each year. It's probably cool to have, no doubt. And maybe it would be cool to have five games of that and have your own team that ties in the league. But is it likely? I just I can't see it. It's all speculation if we are to talk about. It's just a hypothetical situation where it's fun to discuss whether you know, you're really forward against it one way or the other. Yeah, like I said, it's fun to... Uh talk about these hypothetical situations, but if they ever want to come to Canada, you you really need to find a place that there isn't a blizzard in minus 40 to convince some of those guys to come up, I'm sure. Yeah, February is not kind. There's a reason I think this time around they did not return to New York, or shall I say New Jersey, MetLife. There's a reason why Seattle's pretty rainy, doesn't quite get the snow that some of the other places, but yeah, I don't think you'd be that kind to go tab bit further north across that border to find, you know, I guess BC you could, if you're going to play in Rogers, you play in a dome, but I think that's they're just too big. I think most of the teams yeah. are struggling to actually gather enough fans to make it look legitimate. But I mean, yeah, St. Louis is, um, it's, that's also the exception, not the rule. Let's let's be fair. Yeah. Thirty. Well, they're, I think they're averaging thirty-three thousand, whatever. I think the most they had in the season was thirty-eight thousand. So, yeah, just because one team does it, one city does it, doesn't mean everyone's going to do that. But no, it's you're right. It's fun just to kind of talk about what could happen if it would. But other than that, pertaining the XFL, is there anything that you have on your mind that you think? Heck, I'm just going to throw it out there. These Americans need to know X, Y, and Z. Here's your moment. I don't know pertain to the XFL, but I mean, spring football in general, it's, it, I don't know. Is there the appetite for it in the U S like, I, I'm not sure it is because leagues have come and they've gone. And the thing that I think needs to happen for one of these leagues to really find success is to become that pipeline to the NFL and have a lot, like not just one or two, but 10 or 12 players a year, not just get invited to camp, but sign with NFL teams. And then maybe, that helps kind of bring some longevity because the NFL already has a pipeline. It is a massive pipeline. They pay zero money to, to help. And that's the NCAA. They create stars in college football before they even take the field in the NFL. So where does it become legitimized? Is there, we know XFL, USFL, how much overlap can there be between the two? Is there an appetite for two who emerges and I'm not hoping for the demise of any. I think more football is great, especially for these players, because if you're not in the NFL, it's how they make a living. It's how these guys pay for their homes, pay to put food on the table and to have different opportunities like Colin Kelly. Good on him. Good on him for getting that paycheck, because I'm a strong believer in football is a physical game that players are even vastly undercompensated for, for what they deal with for what they have to go through throughout a season to do it. And unless you're making the quarterback money in the NFL, you're just not getting paid probably what you really deserve in the long run. So 
make your money players. The more opportunities there are for you to make your money, absolutely go ahead and take them. But who is going to emerge as kind of that secondary uh, football league in the world right now? Right, right now, it's the CFL. I don't know if there's – at least to us, it's the CFL. We view the CFL as that second league right now. But, of course, we're paying attention to the XFL, the USFL. We're seeing if it's growing. What does it mean for the future of the CFL? Because every league is quarterback-driven now. Every football league is quarterback-driven is there enough good quarterbacks around to really make three leagues viable? I'm not sure there are, especially with the NFL constantly adding practice roster spots and the NFL teams constantly signing three to four backups, maybe because you never know. Is there enough quarterbacks, quality quarterbacks to keep the football entertaining? And that that's really the question we'll, we will find out over the next few years. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And obviously we have people taking all sorts of stances on is the talent pool, whatever it be quarterbacks. We always know that that I use the term sexy, right? It's the sexy position. That's what puts fans in the seats. They want to see somebody that is really electrifying big play capability. And it all starts right with the quarterback. So we look at the professional game, watching the NFL games. Well, there's haves and have nots, right? You can tell the difference of a, Top mm-hmm. tier, middle tier, and whatever else is left. Everyone likes to refer to it as rubbish or garbage. But then we talk about we have these other leagues, you know, the CFL, USFL, the XFL. But when we watch college football, there's a hundred what seven teams, hundred nine teams in the in the bowl series, and then we don't even get into you know the other levels within the United States. I'm sure you guys have college football as well. So we mm-hmm. watch college football, and there seems to be plenty of talent when they're playing against each other, right? This is the different levels. Well, if the top goes to the NFL, and whatever the next kind of gets dispersed over a couple of leagues that are not as many teams as 107 or 109 teams, you would think there's enough, especially when college is only typically four years. You might get a fifth-year senior or whatever. Right? I get it. But as people continue to graduate, now all those people are still, you would think there is, but watching it does not appear to be the case. I agree with you. It's it's tough to see it happening and play in college. Like, okay, there's plenty of solid quarterbacks out there. And then also, whatever reason, when it gets to the professional game, it just doesn't appear to be the same thing. So I'm going to agree with you. The quarterback play is going to dictate everything. I mean, we could talk about running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, defensive side of the ball, special teams, yeah. but it really does. It's it's quarterback. Everything is a quarterback driven. Again, it's that sexy position. Everyone wants the quarterback jersey. Not many people are running out to buy offensive line or defensive line lineman jerseys. Yeah, exactly. It's about entertainment value. Is there enough good quarterback play to make three leagues entertaining if you're not the NFL? I, I'm not sure if there is because uh, we're, we were talking about it this year with the CFL. This might be the most unproven CFL quarterback class we've seen in a long time as guys getting their first shot. Can they make that step? There's only three quarterbacks who you really trust, and one of them you have injury concerns with. And so where does it lead? Are these leagues helping each other? Are they a detriment to each other? That's what we're trying to figure out here early in kind of the uh, 
the creation of the XFL for the third time, the the USFL, can they work well enough together to continue to make entertaining football or are they hindering each other because you maybe don't have enough talent to spread it out? Well, what we do have is 2023 is a heck of a Petri dish because we're mm-hmm. going to see it impact every league all at once. We've had it staggered, you know, with the USFL starting off last year, but the XFL is now, but the USFL did come back for a second season. So the XFL played, CFL's playing, the NFL is going to play. We're going to see what happens now with that all together. And then there's other talks of other leagues, uh, Major League Football, whether it can get it off the ground or not. And heck, there's even talk now, International Football Association coming on, or Alliance, sorry, coming out of what three teams in Mexico and possibly three more teams in Texas. So, we're going to find out really quick if this is possible because we hear guys like Emory Hunt from CBS Sports saying that he thinks there's enough for the XFL to have 16 teams, the USFL to have 16 teams. He thinks there's plenty of talent. We're going to find out how it all plays out season-wise because obviously Colin Kelly is the exception, not the rule. So there's not a lot of quarterbacks heading back north of the border. And you guys just started your season. Right. So it, yeah. it's, it's happening now. It's, I, I can't imagine many signings happen. I know that things still happen two, three, four weeks in, but I think most of those rosters are, are pretty set now. So we're going to, we're going to see how it really plays out here in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Opening weekend right now. And I mean, what hurts the CFL a little bit is that it's not American football. There's different rules. There's different nuances. That's why a lot of guys you really don't see take the field until their second season here, because that first season, it's a lot of learning, getting used to it. We always talk up here as reporters, there's NFL shape and CFL shape. NFL shape, you're a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker build. CFL, a little leaner and can handle the extra yardage on the field because it might not look like much, but when you're playing a full four quarters, it definitely adds up and you can notice it. Oh, yeah, it's different. It's big, big field. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Britton, it has been a pleasure, and I appreciate taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the Colin Kelly situation and the XFL's awareness in Canada and heck, and just how it's going to impact football as a whole. So thank you. Not a problem. But before you go, why don't you go ahead and throw yourself out there. So some of our listeners might be intrigued to learn a little bit more about you. So where can they follow you and your podcast, your other works? Cause you, I mean, you, you write and stuff. So can you just <laughs> throw that all out there? So maybe we can get you a couple fans. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Britton Gray, B-R-I-T-T-O-N-G-R-A-Y, as well as you can find my work on cjme.com, my written stuff. And then we do have a podcast this year at, at SK on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. That's where we're posting everything. And we're also doing a uh, radio documentary on the rider season this year that we are doing episodes every week. We are putting that out. Because this was a team that hosted the Grey Cup last year, fell well short of expectations, and might be going through a big transitional phase if the season does not go well this year. Well, I'll have to tune into the the documentary there, as well as some of your other works. I mean, I have checked some of the stuff out, but hey, I appreciate you coming on again. Let's stay in contact. It'd be great to, to follow up with you at some point and see how things are just going, okay? Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I am grateful to have the opportunity to get Britain's insight and thoughts on the Colin Kelly situation and how the XFL is viewed north of the border. In the coming weeks, 
It is my intention to connect with more foreign-based football media members to further gauge the league's overall global impact. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.